Welcome to the Cyrus Rustam Show. Join me, former commando and fitness entrepreneur to fearlessly become the ultimate version of you. I went to Afghanistan in 2006 when I was serving as a Royal Marines commando. I was involved in an incident and very nearly died. I spent eight weeks in hospital in Oman recovering and the lessons I learned from my near-death experience were extremely powerful and I believe you can learn those lessons without almost dying and here's my story. So it was 2006, I was serving as a Royal Marines commando and we were going on Operation Herrick to Afghanistan and I remember being in my room with all my desert gear on packed ready to go thinking that it was quite surreal like it was a weird feeling I didn't really know what to expect in Afghanistan but here in my room with the green nature outside and the comfortable life that we were living with all my friends around me and the town next door that we'd go and have meals and we're drinking and and the beautiful estuary that we were living in I remember thinking wow I'm here right now in this comfortable environment and soon I'm going to be in war. So going there, there was a lot of um, uncertainty of what we were actually going into. But I was surprised when we landed, we went to initially a camp called Kandahar, which was a big American base. And there was volleyball courts and Burger King, Pizza Hut and massive shops. And I remember thinking, wow, this is not what I expected. Anyway, we ended up on the British base Camp Bastion, which is where we were going to be stationed throughout the six-month tour. And life in Afghanistan wasn't too bad for me. I mean, we were playing volleyball, going to the gym. We were going out on the ground in Sangin Valley, doing a few small tasks and things down there. We were shooting our weapons, staying sharp on our drills. And, um, you know, we were with the guys and still having fun and doing our jobs and, and getting on with life. It was... My experience of Afghanistan wasn't a very tough one. I know friends, I have friends that actually died in Afghanistan that were involved in heavy fire and stuff like this, but I'm, I'm happy that I was never involved in any of that. One day, I was tasked with a friend to pick up a package that was landing on the airstrip of Camp Bastion. So me and my friend got in the trucks, went to drive there, It turns out the rear truck wasn't working and hadn't been for a while and it wouldn't start. So we had to link the two trucks together with a tow bar. I was in the front vehicle. I would pull the rear vehicle forward to get it started, then unhook the tow bar and we drove to the airstrip. Okay, we were waiting for the package to arrive. It arrived, we loaded up and then again to drive back to where the package needed taking. We needed to start the rear vehicle again. So I got out the front vehicle hooked up the vehicles, got the rear vehicle started with my friend that was driving it, and then I jumped out the front vehicle, walked to the middle of the vehicles, and unhooked the rear vehicle. Now, at this point in time, the rear vehicle moved forward, and it was trying to move forward, but my vehicle was in the way, and it was me that was getting bashed between the two vehicles, the vehicles had armor on them so the armor started where my neck was so my neck up was the armor and basically it was my head getting bashed between the two vehicles my friend jumped out the rear vehicle come in between the vehicle looked at me and saw that my head was 
being ping-ponged between the two vehicles, then got back in his vehicle, obviously this was taking time, and reversed back. And immediately nothing really happened, and I thought, oh, just, you know, it was a small knock to my head, I'm fine. But then I sat down, and then I lied down, and quickly realized that something quite seriously had happened. And I didn't know it at the time, but the extent of the injuries were I'd broken my jaw in three places, I completely crushed my right eye socket, and I had breaks all over my skull. So it was quite a serious injury. And there was people gathered around me at some point, and I could hear what they were saying, and things weren't looking too good for me. I couldn't speak or say words because my jaw was you know, broken in three places. My brain had taken a hit, so I wasn't really thinking straight. And there was blood pouring out my eyes, ears, mouth, nose. And I grasped that it was very serious, but I was in no pain. And two friends had gathered around me and they were holding my hands and I was squeezing their hands and I realized that I was gonna die. So I was upset and I, was at, I actually started screaming and crying out in anger and frustration because I was upset. And like I said, I was in zero pain at the time. I was just frustrated that I'd not really lived a life. I'd been in school, I went straight in the military, now I was lying on this fucking desert floor in Afghanistan about to die. And I was just like, man, this hasn't been a good life. Like, I'm not happy here. So I was upset. Anyway, it felt like hours before the ambulance come. It was probably a few minutes. They arrived. She did her checks, the nurse. She, she felt like an angel at the time that had come to save me. Got me on the stretcher, took me to the camp hospital. In the camp hospital, they quickly did some scans and realized that I had all these injuries to my head. And they told me, we can't operate on you here, but we're going to fly you to Camp Kandahar, where they have the facilities to do that. They give me morphine, which at the time made me a bit giddy and, and look at the whole situation with, a, with a, like a joke attitude. And to be honest, if I was about to die, I'd rather have kept a straight head on me and be able to have thought clearly, okay, I'm about to die. You know, rather than give me some drugs and make me feel all giddy. But I do appreciate that uh, morphine in a war scenario comes in very handy when guys have had their legs blown off and their arms and stuff like that and they're about to die. Um, but for me, in that situation, I, I, I wish they never give it to me. They put me to sleep and somewhere along the journey, figured out that actually Kandahar wasn't the best place for me. I was better off going to Oman where they had the real hospitals, facilities and surgeons to do the kind of surgery that was needed. So they flew me over to Oman. When I got there, they realized that I'd actually fell into a coma. And so I was in intensive care, all the tubes, machines, breathing and all the rest of it for me. And in the military, when somebody dies, the procedure is that no one's allowed to call home until the military have told the next of kin face to face what's going on and then the parents or the husband or wife or whatever decides uh, the situation from there right the close family well the royal marines officer and priest went to my dad's house to tell him you know cyrus was about to die it, they didn't know if i was going to survive or not at this point right i was in a coma serious head injuries it's probably going to die my dad wasn't home so the officer and the priest went to his place of work and my dad works in a 
factory has done worked in a factory for 40 odd years the same place the factory is here and the entrance to the compound is here and there's a big car park in between so the priest and the royal marines officer go to the front gate say eddie rustum says yeah he's in the factory there's the entrance go ahead and speak to him and then the guy you know dad's worked there 40 years knew my dad called him and said eddie you might want to come out there's a couple of guys here to see you dad's like okay that's strange walks to the front entrance of the machine shop and sees a priest and a royal marines officer and obviously he's very familiar with the uniform at this point walking across the car park to come and see him and he immediately drops to his knees and thinks to himself Cyrus is dead eventually the priest and the officer get to him and tell him Cyrus is still alive but we think he's going to die he's in a coma he's had a serious head injury we need to get you out to see him uh, before he passes away when I used to tell this story to people before I was a parent it really didn't bother me at all like I would think like okay that's pretty bad for my dad like I'm sorry he had to go through that but there was no feeling behind it but now I have a son the thought of that happening to me as a father even the thought of it makes me feel bad right and puts a lump in my throat so what my dad actually went through in, in those next few days and in that moment I, I can't imagine it to be honest it would just completely break me if I had to go through that even the thought of something happening to Theo is, is horrible and so a couple of days later this is like three four days after the incident at this point I wake up out of the coma and the military decide that oh he's awake now he's not immediately going to die so we don't need to fly his dad out to see him and I'm actually glad personally that they did this because I learned some lessons in the coming eight weeks of my life that I don't think I would have learned fully if my dad would have been with me so I'm actually personally glad they didn't fly him out I do think as a parent that if anyone gets injured even a little bit the parents should be immediately flied out or the next of kin to see them and to be with them right to help them through that situation but it turns out no one was going to fly out to see me and I'm glad and you'll realize why in a bit when we get later in this story so I woke up in Oman and I obviously had severe head injury they stuck a tube in my throat that was very annoying I had no vision at the time it was all blurry and everything was doubled I had damage to my ear so I couldn't hear properly my brain had obviously taken a hit so I wasn't really thinking properly my body was sleeping for about 23 hours a day and I remember just waking up a little bit in hospital looking around being in pain being disorientated and dizzy couldn't see properly couldn't hear properly had massive tubes coming out my mouth which I tried to yank out many times but the nurses then tied my arms down and I just remember feeling my body like pulling me into sleep and I remember thinking yeah this sucks so it's much easier just to sleep anyway but my body wanted to sleep a lot and I was sleeping for like 23 hours a day I was fully asleep like consistently each day I went for my first surgery which I don't remember anything about and then I remember them saying you're going to go for a second surgery and this is my f apart from being in that hospital bed in those initial times when I was confused I remember waking up after the second surgery lying on the operating table I had no clothes on me at all I had still all the tubes and everything coming out my head 
I'd just been operated on. I had no, pain, no painkillers in me at all. And I woke up on the operating table. All of the lights were beaming down on me. And I had this headache that was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. It was so painful. And I had this ringing in my head. And it was almost like the ringing and the pain had mixed to become this new sensation that I've never felt before. It was excruciating. I had no clothes on. And I was absolutely freezing. I was shivering aggressively. And the first thought that came to my mind was, okay, I get it. You've operated on my head. I get the pain. I've got this ringing in my head, which is fair enough. It's going to happen. But for God's sake, can someone put a blanket on me? I am absolutely fucking freezing. I'm lying there like gibbering on this table. So they put a blanket on me, eventually take me to the room, give me some painkillers, which calms down everything. And they eventually moved me to a military hospital to recover. So they took me out of intensive care, eventually took this damn tube out of my throat, and then they wired my jaw shut, put titanium in my jaw, and had fixed everything, and I just had to basically lie in bed and, and heal. Still couldn't see properly, everything was doubled, and actually when I look far left today, everything's still doubled, but my straight sight is fine. Hearing was still dodgy, I was still very dizzy, I wasn't thinking straight on my mind, my brain was just working slowly, and there was a lot of confusion, because I didn't know if I was going to heal at the time. So I was in this military hospital, and I got to see my face for the first time in the mirror, it was black and about this big, and although I had my eyes open, I could see everything, it looked like my eyes were completely shut, everything was just black, massive, and I wish I got a photo. Today, I wish to God someone would have took a photo of me and I had it because I looked so crazy and so weird. It was almost unbelievable how big and crazy my head looked. I was in this military hospital and I had a unique ability at that age to see through painful situations. For example, after my parents divorced, and my mum left with my two sisters and brother, pretty much cut contact immediately, I built up two beliefs in myself from that early childhood trauma. I thought, one, relationships don't work, right? My parents got divorced, and I watched all the hell that they had to go through during the divorce, so I built the belief that relationships don't work, and that almost cost me my marriage later in life, but that's another podcast. I also built up the belief that I was unbreakable, and uh, okay I got through this divorce and the relationship with my mum I mean I was a mummy's boy right I was the first born I was very close to my mum and 13 years old that got cut but I was still fine physically right so I thought huh, I can get through that I can get through anything nothing's gonna hurt me or break me and during commando training at the end of training they give out special awards to recruits that show leadership potential and I'll tell you, at 17 years old, when I got to that stage of training, I had no leadership potential, right? I was just a mouthy kid. But I got given one of these diamond awards. And still to this day, my friends say, how the hell did you get one of these awards? Well, it wasn't because I had any leadership potential. It was because during the very hard times of training, when most people would have their heads down and feel sorry for themselves, right? It's cold, wet, tired, sleep deprivation, the rest, all the rest of it. I had the ability to see through that and know that in a few days or weeks time, we're going to be back on camp. 
laughing and joking about this, eating hot food, getting in our warm beds. And I don't know, I just had the unique ability to see through painful situations. But in hospital at this time, I had forgotten that ability. I thought that these issues in my face was going to be permanently disfigured and I wouldn't be able to see properly or hear properly. And I was very much feeling sorry for myself. I was in my own head, literally, going through the event over and over and over and just not seeing through it in my mind and not having that ability to go through it with my chin up and and, and look at the brighter side of things, right? Or learn a lesson from it. I was feeling sorry for myself until this one day. I was in a room with about 20 beds in it and there was one guy opposite me in a bed and he looked clearly disabled. He had no control of his body. He would constantly be trying to bite himself couldn't eat, couldn't feed himself. The nurses had to feed him. They were, he was wearing a, a nappy that they changed you know, once in a while and they would take him off to be showered and bring him back. Make, so he would make funny noises and he was clearly distressed, right? I had still spinal fluid dripping out my nose and every time I'd go like this, spinal fluid would drip out my nose. Every time I'd go like this, the spinal fluid would drip into my throat and I would taste it. And the doctor told me if it doesn't stop by this certain date, we're going to stick this massive needle in your spine and find out where this leak's coming from. So I was like, oh my God, this gets better. <laughs> anyway, this one day, I wrote on my piece of paper, my jaw's wired shut at this point, by the way, I, so I can't talk properly. I'm just like, <laughs> I write on my paper, uh, what's the story with that guy? And I drew an arrow pointing towards that guy's direction. I don't know why I did that. There was only one other guy in the room. It was obviously him. The nurse said, oh, um, yeah, he was uh, involved in an accident quite a few months back now. He was driving a car with his mum and his sister in the car. And unfortunately, they got involved in a, in a bad accident. The mum and sister died. And he's disabled for life, but he has full control of his mind. He's very much aware of what happened and, and, and what's going on with his body, even though he can't control it. Oh, and that old man that comes to see him every day is his dad and by the way this old man would walk in every day come to my bed and ask me how I was every day and I would just lie there you know with my mouth wide shut and they would go over and see this guy and when she told me knowing that this man had recently lost his wife his daughter and his son was disabled for life this man's coming to me and asking me if I'm okay that felt weird and I felt like an idiot because in that moment I was like oh my god this guy is in a terrible situation and here's me with a few scratches on my head feeling sorry for myself I felt like an idiot I felt shame I felt like I was unworthy less of a man I just felt really bad and I immediately sat up in my bed, like I physically sat up and lifted my chin up and I was like, oh, you've got nothing. This is nothing. This is a scratch. You can get through this. You're going to heal. That guy over there, he's not going to heal. That guy over there can't bring his wife and his daughter back. I immediately snapped out of the funk I was in and started walking around the hospital, speaking to the nurses, working on myself to get back to full health. So I immediately remembered what I was 
I was a Royal Marines commando. And we don't feel sorry for ourselves, right? People in much worse situations, you need to get better, you need to heal, you need to go home. So I immediately changed my mindset. The second thing, this was about three, four weeks after the incident. The incident was on repeat in my mind. Every second of that incident was on repeat over and over again. I couldn't get it out of my head. And I believed it was happening anyway, and it probably would have happened anyway, but I also believe that the universe or God or whatever caused that accident to happen, because I do believe everything happens for a reason, was trying to give me the lesson from it that I wasn't yet learning. I was in my own head. I was playing victim. I was feeling sorry for myself. So I wasn't realizing that I'd been given a gift in this accident. And after I learned about this guy and when I was contemplating things, I went run through the incident again in my head and I realized what the message was immediately because as I said before I was on the floor I was screaming out of frustration because I had not lived life to the fullest I was upset and I got the message A next time this happens not if when this happens again you need to be ready for death you need to live your life to the fullest extract all the joy out of it get all the experiences out of it Become the most successful you can be and live life on your terms so that when, again, not if, when this moment comes, we all die, I'm sitting there ready on my deathbed. Take me. I've done everything. And that was the, the feeling I got was like, shit, I need to sort my stuff out. I need to start living life to the maximum so I have no regrets. Because that feeling that I had thinking I was about to die knowing that I had not lived life at all was horrible. And I didn't want to be in that situation again. I wanted to be happy that I was going to die, right? Whenever that time comes into the future. So I learned two huge lessons in the moment in hospital, in Oman, that I don't think I would have learned if my dad was there, um, that I was stronger than I thought I was and playing victims, not helping anything. You need to see through the initial pain of this moment and look forward. And two, I didn't want to feel regret when I die again. Right? When the moment comes that I'm going to die, I want to feel happy and content. And so I flew back to the UK eventually after eight weeks of this, all the tests and everything, and slowly my eyesight came back so I wasn't seeing double and my hearing was okay. And as you can see, my face is fine. Right? A few scars and titanium bits here and there, but all in all, that accident was, I thought in the moment, was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yet, it was the very best thing that ever happened to me as well, looking back. Because of these lessons that I got, and because the vehicle that we were using was not supposed to be uh, being used, it wasn't supposed to be on the road. And because of that, the military gave me some compensation to say sorry, I guess, for the incidents that happened in the accident. And at the time when I got the money, I was working in my hometown as a scaffolder, drinking, taking drugs, very much lost all my discipline becoming internally depressed right in in that environment that I hated and that money that I got from the payout allowed me to quit my job and go traveling around the world for four and a half years I never would have been able to do that without the accident happening so it was again the worst thing but the best thing that ever happened to me and the lessons I learned have stayed with me and there's one more lesson that I learned later on in life having going 
been through issues with my relationship and the divorce of my parents and the accident in Afghanistan and now setting up businesses and going through COVID, opening up my second business during the peak of COVID and all the struggles and everything I've been through, I've realized something. And at the time of the accident, I didn't realize it. It was only later on in life now when I'm older that I realized this. We all have a goal or a vision for our lives that we want to achieve, right? The higher version of ourselves. We all have goals and dreams. The money we want to earn, the kind of house we want to live in, the life we want to live, the job we want to do, the kids we want to have, whatever it is, we've all got this goal. And life's like a game. The universe or God or whatever you want to call it is going to give you gifts, which are challenges and puzzles. And it's your job to figure out that challenge solve the puzzle and get one step closer towards your goal. Because this goal that you have, it's not a what, it's a who. This is a person. A type of person can achieve this success because of the challenges and the puzzles that they've solved in order to get to that next level. Exactly like a game. But what we do as humans, when we're given these gifts, these challenges, we play victim. This is happening to me. This is painful. I don't like this. Why me? That's the wrong mindset. That's what I was doing in hospital. I was feeling sorry for myself. But when I reframed it and I got the message, the lesson, the level up, the puzzle that I needed, I saw it in a whole different light and I leveled up. And that message, that lesson that I got has stayed with me ever since. So the next time you're experiencing something in life, like now when I get a challenge, I take one step back and I say, this is a gift. This is a puzzle. In order for me to get here, I need to get over this. So I'm going to attack it and I'm going to get over it with a smile on my face and level up and keep leveling up until we reach the goal that we have. And then when we reach the goal, guess what? We set more goals and we get bigger challenges. The bigger vision you have for yourself, the more challenging situations and the harder the puzzles the universe is going to throw at you. And it's up to you to change your mindset around that and attack it either with a positive mindset and level up or come at it with a victim mindset and don't get the lessons. Play the victim, feel bad, look at the situation through a negative lens and stay at your level, not leveling up. Guys, that's it for today. Hope you're enjoying the story and I hope you got the lessons from it, which I hoped that you got from all this information. You know, I I had to nearly die to get this and you don't have to. You can learn the lessons that I learned just from my story and hope you got it. And until next time.